I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. I'm Phil Kitchmarlides, joined as ever by my good friend, colleague, comrade and compatriot, Sid Lowe. Hello, Sydney. Hi, Philip. How are you? I'm all right, mate. You? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Memorable weekend in La Liga, particularly for Barca and their fans who were crowned champions for a 27th time, the first time since 2019 and the first time with Xavi Hernández at the helm. So congratulations to Barcelona. The majority of the podcast will be spent discussing their title win. But there were other games in La Liga this weekend and some important ones as well on match day 34. These are the results on Friday. Mallorca picked up a victory against Cadiz at home. They won 1-0, a result which I think, and I'm doing a bit of maths here, but I think it technically means that Mallorca are safe for another season. So congratulations uh, to Mallorca for avoiding relegation. Then on Saturday, a really entertaining game between Real Sociedad and Girona. All goals coming in the first half. 2-2, 2-2, it finished. A really good game that was high level of uh, technical ability on show. Uh, Osasuna were comfortably better against Almeria. They beat them 3-1. Three excellent goals from Los Rojillos, who bounced back from the Copa del Rey disappointment by beating Almeria and putting in a really good showing. Uh, Villarreal thrashing Athletic Club by five goals to one. That's Athletic's biggest defeat since 2016. Villarreal absolutely flying. Two goals from Bayena, two goals from Nico Jackson, and they're in the hunt, potentially, for Champions League football. Then Real Madrid beat Getafe by a goal to nil in a game which not that many people cared about. Not that many Real Madrid players or fans were too interested in, but they managed to beat Getafe and move into second place, where they stay because Atletico Madrid were beaten 1-0 by bottom side and already relegated Elche. One of the shock results of the season. Uh, it finished 1-0 to the Franchi Verdes at the uh, Martinez Valero. Congratulations to Elche on this big result. Very, very unexpected. And Atleti a third. They needed a point to guarantee their place in the Champions League for next season. They haven't got it yet. They've got four matches to get a point. They should be able to secure Champions League football. We thought it was obviously done and dusted. It isn't yet, technically. Uh, before that, Valencia scored late on to beat Celta 2-1 at Balaidos. Uh, another goal, another late winning goal from a youngster. This time it was Alberto Marí, who scored two minutes from time to give Valencia a vital three points. It looks like they might stay out of the relegation zone. It looks like it. 
don't want to count our chickens yet, but they're uh, looking like they might avoid relegation. Uh, Sevilla beating Valladolid by three goals to nil. A controversial result, this one. Valladolid thought they'd scored just on the stroke of half-time. Sergio Escudero scored a lovely goal, but the referee had already blown for half-time fractionally before Escudero struck the ball. So the goal didn't count. They went into the break nil-nil and then Sevilla scored three goals in the second half. Valladolid absolutely livid with that. And then Barcelona comprehensively beat Espanyol. The final score was 4-2 because they took their uh, foot off the gas a little bit in the second half, but they won. They were much better and they're champions and worthy champions as well. Monday night sees Betis take on Rai Vallecano and over on our Patreon, we're going to have a Q&A pod for patrons on Tuesday, a bonus pod later in the week. We're talking Champions League semi-finals. We're talking Europa League semi-finals and there's a brand new episode of Rincon Cultural as well. Join us for all that and lots more. Patreon.com forward slash TSFP. Feels like a long monologue there at the start of this podcast, Sydney. It's time for you to say something. And we need to start by <laughs> saying things about Barcelona being champions. They were so much better than Espanyol. I was obviously working on, on Sunday night and I was speaking to Graham Hunter before the game. And he said, you know, what do you think it's going to be? And I said, 5-0 Barca. He said, no chance. He thought it was going to be 1-1. Okay, I'm 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 not saying that to uh, sort of throw him under a bus. I was obviously much close with my prediction, but it could have been five nil, could have been six nil, could have been seven nil. They were absolutely rampant, particularly in the first half. Yeah, there was a comment before the game from Luis Garcia, the Espanol manager in the pre-match presser, when he was asked about the significance of this match. Uh, obviously, the significance for Barcelona, but also the significance for Espanol in terms of their survival at the bottom of the table. And he said, "Look, there is nothing." that compares to the importance of surviving, that compares to the situation we're in. He said, so however much Barcelona have got a league title to play for, what we've got to play for is bigger. And he said, and that has to show. And it didn't. Um, the first the first kind of two or three minutes were very frantic. Quite a lot of tackles going in. There's a chance for Joselu after about 10 seconds, which he hits past the post. But that was it. It was done. Once Barcelona scored, and I think Lewandowski's goal was, what was it, 10 minutes. They get another one 10 minutes after that, and then another one uh, 20 minutes after that. 3-0 up by half-time, 4-0 up but within the hour. I think it was 56 minutes or something, they're 4-0 up. And you're right, it could have been more. They, they moved the ball really, really well, Barcelona. They were very, very good all over the pitch. There was an intensity to them. There was a speed of, of circulation. I think we saw the importance of Pedri, who's been really, really important this year in key moments. And I think when you look at this league tightly and you talk about which players played the, the most important roles, in terms of the amount of points won directly by their goals, I think it's Pedri. Um, but obviously the problem with Pedri is he's missed a lot of the season. So I think yesterday was his 22nd start of 34 games. So he hasn't been maybe as significant as we would like. And I think yesterday maybe we saw some of the things that Barcelona would have liked to have been but weren't really able to be, even though they were then obviously, of course, able to go on and, and, and win the league title. But they were they were far, far better than Espanyol today. And, and I'd be worried about Espanyol because this performance was so poor. Because it's one thing to get beaten by Barcelona, that can happen. But to get beaten by Barcelona in this manner, uh, with, with, with everything that goes with it, and, and you know, given that they're now four points adrift from safety with only four games to go, I, I think they're in... I mean, this is stating the obvious to say they're in big trouble. I think they're gone. I, th- I think the question mark now is who's the third team that goes down? Uh, I think you're right, but forgive us for not... On this podcast, necessarily dwelling no, of course, on, no, on, absolutely. on Espanol. If you want us to talk about Espanol, send us a question. We can we can answer a lot of those questions on our Q and A uh, pod tomorrow. I do want to dwell on on Barcelona. You mentioned a little bit of an overview of the game from yesterday. 
they were much better. Obviously, comfortable winners. We should talk about this season as a whole, what this yeah. title means for Barcelona. I thought it was interesting yesterday, uh, Xavi, uh, in the post-match declarations that he gave to us uh, at La Liga TV. My colleague Jamie Easton was speaking to him. I don't know if uh, your colleague at ESPN uh, got similar uh, comments from him. I thought it was a very interesting phrase he used. He said, this project needs trophies. And obviously, big teams need to win trophies. Obviously, there's a lot of pressure on them. The fans demand trophies. It's more than that at Barcelona. I think it's important for us to remember that last summer, Joan Laporta gambled big time. The palancas, TV rights being sold off. They gambled a lot and they need to win trophies. They need success, not just to appease the fans, but for the future, for the economic stability of the club, it is reliant on them being successful on the pitch. So the level of pressure they have is far more than they've ever had in the past when it was just about the fans wanting them to win and succeed and to win trophies. Oh, it's great and lovely. Now, their future kind of depends on them winning these kind of trophies. Yeah, and, and I think to 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 expand a little bit on, on, on what Xavi said to, to Jamie yesterday... I think there's 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 another there's another line that he used with Spanish TV in which which basically follows on from that when he used the phrase this gives us stability and I thought that use of the the phrase stability was really really interesting now obviously there's there's different ways of looking at this you can talk about stability um, in terms of this particular project and obviously his team in terms of bedding these players in in terms of believing in the young players that are coming through in particular Balde Gavi of course Pedri but I think people always always already did believe in Pedri, um, in the emergence of Araujo, in the significance of Christensen, those players who might not otherwise have known for sure that they were going to play next year if this season hadn't gone as well as it had. Now, I think, I think Pedri would have done, but I think the others might not have done. Um, so there's a stability issue there. But one of the things that I slightly lingered on writing about Barcelona today was, was this idea that, that kind of comes from this of the team giving the club the stability it needs. So if you like, the team's success enables the club to sort of justify some of the really risky things they're doing. And so, yeah. as you said, the, the, the Palanca thing was a risk, but in part, this justifies it, at least in the short term. Now, for what it's worth, I think there's all sorts of um, long-term stability and sustainability questions that actually aren't justified by this. But, yeah. I think, but I think it's part of that gamble. And you're right, the pressure on the team, the awareness that this is a new era, the awareness that this, this is... I mean, to give you an amazing stat, by the way, um, one of our patrons pointed out yesterday, I really like this. This is the first time Barcelona have won a league title without Messi this century. This century. Yeah, since 98, 99. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite extraordinary. And, you know, everything that this means, and I think we saw that in the celebrations. I think we saw the celebration of a club that really embraced this league title as, as something very, very significant because nobody truly expected this. They didn't expect it at the start of the season and they didn't expect it after they lost the Clasico in October. Because it wasn't just they lost the Clasico, it was the way they lost the Clasico. It was this sense that, look, let's be honest, Madrid are just much better than them. Now, Barcelona changed some things post-Clasico, and we'll go into those in more depth, I'm sure, in a, in, in a little while. But they changed some things in the post-Clasico, and they've really competed. And this has been a strange league title. The fact that a third of their results have been 1-0 wins tells you a lot. <laughs> but I think there was a sense last night of, actually, you know what, given all of those conditioning factors... This is a really impressive league title win. And it's one that, as you say, it's a really necessary. I think that's the big part here. It's a really necessary league title win. And, and I'd add some other things into it. You talk about the pressure. 
Look at everything that's gone on at Barcelona this year. Enough to have happened in a decade at most clubs. Because you talk about the plan, because you've got the Negredo case, you've got PK departing, you've got Sergio Busquets saying he's going, you've got this kind of on and off pursuit of Messi, you've got the pressure on Laporta, you've got the departure now of Matteo Alemán, you've, you've had the departure of Ferran Reverter before as, as CEO, you've got this sense of, a, if you like, a, 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 an instability. So we go back to that word. And in all of this, the team has kind of given the club. It's almost the wrong way around. The club should give the team stability to work. But the, yeah. the, the, the team has given the club a degree of stability that I think Barcelona desperately needed. Uh, when Xavi took over the side in November 2021, they were ninth in the table. They finished second last season, but 13 points behind Real Madrid. They're now currently 14 points clear at the top of the table. It is by any measure, a really monumental turnaround that Xavi has overseen. And yet, Sid, this is the bare minimum that was required, given what happened last summer. The bare minimum, I put to you, was that they win La Liga. Given the money invested, Lewandowski, Rafinha, Jules Koundé, the Palancas, the economic levers, La Liga was the bare minimum. Um... Let it's, me. It's, let it's me okay ins- to disagree. Okay yeah, to yeah, disagree. yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. It's not so much a disagreement. Let me insert a caveat. The bare minimum, I think, was that they competed for it, not that they won it. But do you, do, but do you think? I mean, I'm not. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about what the fans view. I'm talking about from an economic reality of getting sponsors, of getting merchandising deals, of getting the club back to where they need to be economically. They need to be winning trophies. Um. I think they need to be competing for them and they need to be... And here's, here's the other caveat, and it's a caveat back in the opposite direction, if you like. <laughs> um, they need to be competing for trophies and the biggest ones. And so I think I would argue maybe that the economic need in terms of uh, image, in terms of identity, in terms of sponsorship, in terms of the sense of Barcelona as a big club, actually maybe even bigger was the thing that they wouldn't, weren't able to achieve, which was some sort of European run. So I'm, I'm saying to you that La Liga was the bare minimum and then they needed to do something in Europe which they couldn't yeah. do. But they, they, they absolutely really needed to win La Liga. Because imagine if they'd gone out in the Champions League as they did. They went out yes. in the Europa League as they did. And they didn't win La Liga. It would have been a catastrophic yeah. season. I think, I think the key here, I think the key here is, is, is given what happened in Europe. So, for example... I think from an economic and an image point of view, a better bare minimum for them would have been not winning the league and having reached, say, a Champions League semi-final. I think that would have... I think so. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I think in, in terms of the, the, the impact, because bear in mind that so much of what they're seeking is, is a global impact. And that global impact is, is projected through the Champions League even more than through La Liga. So I think once you've got that double European failure, and of course it's harder even to take than the normal... Because it's it's two European failures in one go, so they've had yes. four in it in this space of yeah, a year yeah, yeah. now. So they've they've been made to look really quite bad four times in in a little bit over a year now, and I think that helped. I think that's part of the reason why the winning La Liga was was. I'm not quite sure I go as far as say bare minimum, but I accept that point was was really really important. Um, and, and possibly without it, you'd be looking at this and thinking, God, this does not look good at all. But I think had the European run been different. It needn't necessarily, they needn't necessarily have won the league. I think the fact that the European, the two European runs were so bad, I think means that may, maybe you're right. And again, you know, I think this is to the credit of the of the players and and also to the manager. The a team that still 
in construction, a team that's still evolving, a team that has all of that pressure on them, the, the degree of responsibility. And Xavi made that point, didn't he? And I actually think he, I think he was sort of right, uh, although admittedly he's partly <laughs> guilty of this himself. He's, he's partly responsible for the situation that he himself decried. When he said, look, you've got this debate about the style surrounding us. He says, we're winning he said, this is why Barcelona is the hardest club in the world, because even when we're winning, you have this debate. And I think he's entitled to say that, and I think he's probably right. Uh, the two big caveats I would throw in there are, as I say, number one, he's part of that, because he sets himself up, if you like, as this ideologue of, <laughs> of, of a certain style. And number two, I actually don't think it's entirely true in that this year, of all years, with all of that pressure, given where they come from, in a post-Messi era... Um, with an awareness that there were serious limitations in the squad, despite the Palancas, I think this year there was an acceptance. You know what? If you don't play, and I'm using the speech mark rabbit ear things here, if you don't play in the Barcelona way, it's okay. And I think this year it is okay. I'm not sure if it still will be okay next year. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, this season, we have to shout out some individual performances, not least, I think, the player of the season for Barcelona. It might sound strange to people who haven't necessarily been following the season too closely. I think the player of the season, Marc-Andre Testegen. I don't think... The, I, I, don't I agree think, with you. Yeah, I don't think there can be too many arguments about that. Uh, Robert Lewandowski probably running him a close second with maybe Ronald Araujo in third. I think those three are the, those three are the podium for uh, for Barcelona, but Ter Stegen, his individual performance this season and his contribution, because it hasn't all been down to him, but his contribution to a historically good defensive record has been uh, really quite extraordinary. They've kept 25 clean sheets. They've only conceded 13 league goals all season. Two league goals at the camp now is an absolutely ridiculous record uh, to uh, to have on, on match day 34. Uh, the record is uh, 18 in a season, set first by Deportivo La Coruña in uh, 1994 and equalled by Atletico Madrid in, in 2016. Let's see 
if they managed to get that record, it was quite it was quite funny listening to Ter Stegen after the game yesterday. They just won the league, and he was quite pissed off. He was really pissed off, goals. wasn't he? Yesterday, yeah. 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 It was it was it was it was very very noticeable late in the match that he was the one person who left Corny in a bit of a bad <laughs> mood because yeah. it, it it really mattered to him because he knew that those were two giveaway goals because you're talking about. You're talking about basically a sixth of the goals they've conceded all season happened last night in the last <laughs> in, in in the last fifteen minutes. I was looking at it as well. There's lots of great ways of looking at his his record. Um, Thirteen goals this season, seven of them against Real Madrid and Espanyol. So their two biggest rivals have scored more, <laughs> more than half of them. And as you say, it's only two at the Camp Nou. One's a penalty, and the other's an own goal. No one has scored from open play against him at the Camp Nou. And and the reason, you know, obviously, whenever you talk about these kind of statistics, you've got to talk about the whole defence. But we've discussed this a lot this season. For quite a bit of the season, we weren't sure the defence was that solid. He was rescuing them. He made three one-on-one saves last night, Ter Stegen. That yeah. You're thinking, I'm really glad he's made that on the decisive game because it's it reminds people how big he's been. And I think that's also another reason why he was annoyed when he eventually conceded because he was on course for another clean sheet. I think he's been absolutely brilliant. I agree with you on the on the top three. There's a couple of other players I'd like to mention. One yes. is Balde because yeah. I think Balde, Balde enables them to have that asymmetrical midfield where, where there isn't really anyone else on the left because Balde covers so much of it. The other one, um, and, and Balde, by the way, is a player that they weren't entirely sure about in the summer. And this is a, a, a recurring theme for me and one I really like, and which is why I want to pick up on it. The idea of players who either Chavi or the club wasn't sure about who've played key roles. So Dembele that the club wanted out, who played a key role until he got injured. And admit, admittedly, that injury is kind of an inevitability with Dembele. And actually, I think it reinforces the argument that is maybe we should get rid of him. Certainly if we can make some money for him. Um, then you've got Gavi, who I genuinely think Chavi wasn't completely sure about, but he's found this hybrid role for him, which Gavi, which Chavi himself, I don't think was that keen on, but has seen the value of it. And Busquets talked very eloquently last night about the tactical variation that he said that came after the Classico and that move to what was nominally at least Gavi playing in the front three, but actually it's to like a box midfield, isn't it? It's yeah. two plus two, the way they play their midfield. And that actually has liberated Pedri a bit, which brings me to another player that I wanted to pick up on which is Frankie de Jong. And the club did everything they could to get rid of Frankie de Jong last summer. Mm-hmm. Everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were short of publicly saying, piss off Frankie <laughs> and paying for a billboard outside the Camp Nou saying, we don't want you anymore. Uh, and, and I think he's had a really, really good season alongside Busquets. I'm really intrigued to see what role they have for him next year if Busquets isn't there, whether they stay with a two or whether they ask him to be the pivot on his own, which I'm not 100% sure is a role that's best suited for him. But I think he's been really important. Another player they weren't sure about. Xavi went from wanting two wingers opening the pitch to playing with only one. When Dembélé got injured, that was bad news for Rafinha, but of course when Dembélé got injured, Rafinha took that role. A player that I must admit, I've not always been that sure about, but he ended up being really, really important. And the the other one that surprised me, and I I don't suppose he surprised Xavi as much as he surprised me, is is Christensen, who I think has been brilliant this year. Genuinely, one of the the best signings. I think he was... uh... Was he one of the personal signings that Xavi requested, Christensen? Uh, there, were, there were a few that... I his, honestly don't... There were a few that his, his personals were Puesta. He really wanted them. But uh, yes, yeah. Christensen's been a tremendous signing for, uh, uh, for Barcelona. We should mention that there were some ugly scenes at the final whistle when Barcelona were celebrating out on the pitch and then Espanol fans decided to invade the pitch, which meant that... Barcelona players and coaching staff had to uh, run towards the tunnel. Uh, regrettable scenes, obviously we condone them, 
and hopefully we won't see uh, anything like that happening again. I don't want to say it was always going to happen, but this is a, a rivalry that has sort of grown in intensity and dare I say nastiness in the last few years. Yeah. I think over the last 10 years, the level of nastiness, particularly from Espanyol towards Barcelona, does seem to have elevated and they were not having them celebrating this league title in the middle of the pitch. And they ran onto the pitch and uh, forced the players to uh, evacuate. But yeah, not a good look at all for uh, for La Liga. And it was a shame. Obviously, I was on La Liga TV. We had live images of the of the title celebrations and they were they were cut short so internationally it's not a good look for La Liga and it's uh, really quite regrettable that this uh, that this happened yeah the, I mean the other thing to well there's a number of things to, to 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 include here one is that I was struck by how swiftly swiftly this happened <laughs> yeah. and 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 so I actually watched it back and I set my watch I set the stopwatch going <laughs> do you know do you know you, do you know timing these kind of things yeah do you, do you know they 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 weren't even out there for three minutes. Yeah. It wasn't even three minutes from the final whistle, and and they didn't do a lap of honour. They didn't go up to the crowd. There was no gestures. They were dancing in the middle of the pitch. Yeah, leave the state, leave the stadium. Yeah, um, I, I, it it wasn't a game that was particularly nasty. Yes, Espanol's situation is terrible. Um, and Xavi, actually, it was interesting. I, I mean, I, you were covering this with, with La Liga TV, so I don't know if you, would, you were aware of this, but on Spanish television, one of the commentators had spotted, you know, about, I was going to say way before it actually happened, but as I've said, it was less than three minutes, the whole thing. So, you know, it must be maybe a minute before it actually happened, possibly not even that. Xavi had already started saying to players, come on then, let's get off. And then Xavi post-game, had, 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 he'd actually got into the tunnel before the rest of them. And post-game, he'd said, well, I just thought, you know, enough's enough. We don't need to be there. It's not our house. We don't need to, you know, it, it, it's not fair. So you get the celebration. You get the, of course, you get the enthusiasm and the euphoria and the joy because we've won the league. But we don't need to linger out there and we get everyone in. And that's respect for Espanyol. And, and, and I really quite like that. The problem with it, of course, was he'd said all of that and that had happened anyway. And I don't think it was provoked in the slightest. I don't think that is provocation for that kind of pitch invasion. Um, and and I, but I, as I say, because it happened so so quickly, I don't think there was anything remotely confrontational um, from Barcelona. And it, it was it's actually a little bit grim because obviously there's. I'll be honest with you, right? I'm going to be absolutely honest now. When it sort of first happens, it sort of seems funny, and then you realise actually this is quite bad because. Obviously, it's quite bad. First of all, it's quite bad that, you know, for players to have to run into the tunnel is bad anyway. Um, but, but then you see chairs being thrown. You see confrontations with police, even once the players are in there. You see other people who are caught up in it who, who are nothing to do with it. I'm not saying the players are anything to do with it, but by the way, that's not a justification. But, you know, all sorts of staff and so on caught up in it. Yes. You see, you see the, the nature of, if you like, the sort of, I was going to call it the aftermath, the the point after which Barca's players have managed to get into the tunnel and it's it's really quite grim to be honest it is it is let's see if there is any um well I mean they quite honestly there should be um I don't know if a ground closure but there'd probably be an end closure um I would like to think as well as uh, we say this a lot about uh, about fan behavior that there'll be individualization of punishments as well as a collective one in other words people identified and those people uh, found and punished. And bear in mind, by the way, Espanyol are in a relegation fight. If this moves quickly, they have to, let's say for argument's sake, they have to play the last game behind closed doors. 
the impact on them is huge. It is. It is. It absolutely is. Um, sorry, I couldn't finish my sentence there because I was Googling something and uh, uh, that's why I sort of trailed off. But yeah, let's see if there's any uh, uh, impact on uh, Espanol for the rest of the season. Sydney, today is uh, San Isidro. Feliz San Isidro. Thank you. Do, do, you, do you celebrate it in, in your part of Madrid? Well, it depends what you mean by celebrate it. If you mean that everybody else has got the day off and I haven't, yes, we celebrate it. Oh, so it is a day off then, yeah. in, in, in your part of Madrid. Oh, it's very definitely a day off, which makes it an even worse day for me, not a better one. <laughs> makes it even more difficult. Uh, San Isidro is the patron saint of Madrid, which means it is a, a public holiday here today. Sydney lives just on the outside of the city of Madrid. And sometimes there are public holidays yeah. inside the city of Madrid but where Sid lives, which is just outside, it's not a public holiday. Exactly. So I wasn't sure if today no, no. was one of those days. No, we, we got them both. We got we got one, uh, the, the, the one from last week and this one. And it was turned into a puente. So, yeah. Yes. We're all celebrating it together. I mean, you know, you haven't stopped celebrating, have you? Absolutely. I'm, I'm even yes. wearing, I, I forgot, it's got a name and I've forgotten the name for it. The little, the little checked jacket and the hat. Yes, you're dressed as a chulapo. That's the word I'm looking for, chulapo. For a moment there, it escaped me. That's one for Rincon Cultural on uh, Thursday. Rincon Cultural. By the way, if you're wondering what a chulapo is, it's what the man is dressed as on the front of the Madrid beer bottle. Obviously, Madrid is the uh, beer which has taken the UK by storm. Has it? I didn't know that. Yes. El alma de Madrid, they call it. The soul of Madrid. It is brewed... In Burton-upon-Trent, so it's very much not the soul. <laughs> Do you know what? Not very long ago, uh, yes. obviously not publicly on, on, on the internal communications channels of TFFP, we were discussing whether Stoke was the worst place on earth. Now that, <laughs> I, I mean, I know Burton is not Stoke, but it's not a million miles away. But so, yeah. so uh, is, this, is this a saving grace? Yeah. I mean, I, I'd like, you know, caveat, you were discussing it because your family's from there. I, you know, yes, I'm allowed to say allowed it. Exactly. To say I'm that. allowed yes. to say it. My, yeah. my family is from, from near Stoke, so yes. I was allowed to say it. Yeah. Yes. All right. A uh, quick word on Jad Laporta and his dressing room celebration. It was pretty special, even by his standards. It was Joan Laporta in, as they say in Spanish, in, um, in what's it, in, in Estado Puro, in, in his purest, his purest yeah. state. Joan Laporta, the essence of Laporta. I quite like the fact that he sort of, yeah. he bundles in. I mean, he sort of rolls in, doesn't he? He's sort of like this bouncing ball who kind of rolls into the dressing room <laughs> and everyone jumps around with him. And I like, the bit I liked most was they were chucking all their dirty laundry at him. <laughs> and he was soaked. Uh, if you haven't, if you haven't seen what we're talking about, go and go, go and check it out. It's on the uh, Barcelona social media uh, accounts, and it is. Uh, it's really quite funny uh, to see him in his estado puro. Uh, so that was Barcelona winning the league title. If there's anything that we didn't talk about and you'd like us to send us a question, and we'll answer it on our Q and A pod for patrons uh, tomorrow. Uh, for Real Madrid fans, big Champions League. Semi-final, second leg coming up against Manchester City on Wednesday. We thought that Eduardo Camavinga might be a doubt for it. Looked like he picked up an injury against Getafe, but we're being told that it's not too serious and he should be available. So rest easy, Real Madrid fans. Actually, it's quite interesting to see just how nervous and annoyed Real Madrid fans were about this potential injury. And it gives you an idea of just how important Camavinga's become for Real Madrid. Yeah, absolutely it does. Um, and from left back as well, because of course he's not a left yeah. back. And I, I think this is a really, really interesting kind of process that's happening with Camavinga. This left back that's not really a left back that steps into midfield, that can do two things at once. That Well, it can do more than two things at once. Because it all seems, seems <laughs> to be able to play in a whole load of positions all at the same time. I think he's a wonderful player. I think Ancelotti has found a role for him that he probably doesn't like, but has found a way of... Playing it, that means he probably does quite enjoy it. 
um, because he's allowed to do those other things at the same time as having the defensive responsibilities. And I think you're right, it does tell you something about the significance of him. I also think it tells you something about the nervousness about City, the awareness that City are really good and the, and the belief and the fear that, that the slightest concession you give to City is very, very significant. That's the good side of it. The bad side of it, I'll be honest with you, and I know I shouldn't, I shouldn't fall into this trap of, of kind of having a quick look on Twitter, but the, the response to Ancelotti on Saturday night was bonkers. I mean, not just people saying, well, why did you risk him? Because that's an entirely justified question. And I think you can discuss that and you can talk about why did we take the risk? But the fury and the amount of people saying, right, that's it, Carlo, you're dead to me and we should sack him immediately and how dare he and what a useless... People who are saying... I know, I know, I know, I know. That's what I mean. I shouldn't fall into that trap. But I was was reading it and thinking... Good grief. <laughs> What's wrong with people? I know. Those same people will be cheering from the rafters if Real Madrid managed to get through. Oh, of course they will. Of course they will. On yeah. Wednesday night. So it's City against Madrid on Wednesday night in the Champions League semi-final. Then on Thursday, you've got Sevilla against Juventus in the Europa League. Uh, before we go, a quick word on the Segunda, the Asturian derby. Finished Sporting 1, Oviedo 1. Usually ends in a draw this fixture, so um, not 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 entirely true. No, we had Oviedo one the last have, have three good, the last yeah. three trips to Gijón have been won by Oviedo. Yes, it's true, uh, but uh, not this one. Uh, Sporting one, Oviedo one. It's now Granada who are top of the Segunda after they beat Lugo two 0 Las Palmas drew one one with Villarreal B. Alaves drew one one with Albacete, and Eibar lost one nil at struggling Racing. So it's now Granada. On 69 points, Las Palmas on 68, Alaves and Eibar on 67, Levante, who have 64, play Ibiza tonight. It is so, so tight at the top of the table. We we don't have a title race in the uh, Primera División, but in the Segunda División, we've got a title race and a real battle for those two automatic promotion spots. Malaga maintained their very slim chances of staying up by beating Mirandes, but other results didn't go their way. They are now all but mathematically relegated, but it's still not done. Let's see if uh, if Malaga can produce an absolute miracle and avoid relegation to the third tier of Spanish football. That's it for this week's edition of TSFP. Thanks very much for joining us, amigos. We're over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP for the rest of the week. Come and join us there. And if not... We'll be back here next Monday, as always. Adios. Cheerio. Network.